There it is. We're live. It is Tuesday. It's a beautiful day. I'm so excited and happy to have somebody here who's going to talk to us all about self-love. Self-love? Mm, self-love? Okay, just self-love. Okay, we're going to have a lot of fun with this one. Here we go. Let's have a good time. Practicing polyamory. Real-life perspectives from the imperfect people of polyamory. The mission of the Practicing Polyamory podcast is to provide a platform for all of the real-life flawed humans that practice polyamory so that we might all learn from one another and grow as a community. Enjoy the show. All right, all right, everybody. Welcome, welcome, welcome to this beautiful Tuesday. If you are joining us for the very first time, welcome and thank you so much for tuning in. And if you've been here for a while, then you already know we're live every Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Twitch, at least for the rest of this week. So tomorrow, tomorrow's our last day. Our season one is coming to an end, but we'll be back rocking and rolling in February of next year. So until tomorrow, today and tomorrow, if you have any questions about your relationships or if there's a topic you'd like to hear discussed on the show, slide into my DMs, let me know, or leave a comment while we're recording live. Follow the show on all social media platforms at Practicing Poly A and let me know what it is that you want us to talk about. And as always, as a reminder, if you're listening to this podcast, you are a welcome guest to be on the show. None of us are perfect, and we're here to share our imperfect stories because the more stories we share, the more others will see us than themselves, and the more representation we have, the more we can strengthen our community. So go to practicingpolyamory.com, sign up for next season to share your imperfect story too. All right, now let's introduce today's incredible guest. Our guest today has overcome many traumas and mental health challenges in her life, and despite all those challenges, she believes that we create our own lives through the power of our thoughts. As a psychotherapist and sex-positive, identity-affirming sex and relationship coach, our guest has dozens of tools to help you deal with your everyday experiences. She learned how to overcome her own depression, anxiety, and heartbreak from dysfunctional relationships using gentle reprocessing, and she loves teaching others how to do the same. Our guest also loves teaching people how to love themselves, something she had to learn on her own journey of finding self-love, self-compassion, self-awareness, and stepping into her feminine essence. Tune in today to learn how our guest saved her own life by becoming a stripper, how her journey led her into leaning into her S-E-X-Y sexy power, and how you can do the same. Joining us today out of Boston, Massachusetts, author, coach, and therapist to ladies who want to get their mojo back, welcome to the show, Maria Merloni. <laughs> All right, Maria. Hello, hello, and welcome. How's it going? Um, really well. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. It's my pleasure. It's my pleasure to get to chat with you, to learn about you. Uh, so let's start with that. Let's start with a little bit of learning about you. Uh, I did a quick Google search. You heard what I came up with. Tell me what Google won't tell us. <laughs> what Google won't tell you? Uh, let's see. Um Hmm, I don't know. I have to say my life it has been a pretty open book for about 10 years now. I started mm -hmm. um, writing blogs and talking about my life when I first stepped into my first polyamorous relationship. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm extremely open. 
about what's going on with me. So I don't know that there's really a private topic I haven't talked about already, but I'm happy to talk about more of them. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, No worries. I love it. So about 10 years, uh, was that your first polyamory experience? Yeah. Yeah. I was actually, originally I was in a monogamous relationship and I just had this sort of like realization I had heard of this thing called polyamory. And then one day I just woke up and I was like, I'm polyamorous. <laughs> just <like that>. just- <laughs> I just had this knowing about it. That's all I could say. But I didn't actually act on that until um, uh, two or three years later. And um, I had gotten out of that monogamous relationship, not because it was monogamous, but just because it had, you know, it was ready for it. It was time for mm-hmm. it to be over. And uh, I was so nervous about getting into the polyamory community that I, I did some research and I joined some mailing lists, actually one in particular for a um, polyamorous group in the Boston area. And then I just got the emails and looked in the discussion groups for like two years before I was brave enough to go to an event. And once I did that, yeah, I knew one person, I had one friend that was also identifying as polyamorous and he and I went to a party together. And then when at that party, we got invited to another party. And by the second party, I had already met the person that I ended up being in my first polyamorous relationship with. So kind of very slowly. (laughs) See, I feel like that's the stuff that uh, doesn't come up in the Google search. That's that's the story you got to (laughs) tell. I love it. That's such a fun, uh, fun way to, to kind of come about it. You did two years of research before you actually had uh, your your first experience, I guess. Uh, mm-hmm. How does that translate into the way that you coach and uh, provide therapy for people who are new to polyamory? Uh, that's a very good question. So one of the things that I do recommend for people that are either you know, already in the lifestyle or individuals or couples that are looking to get into the lifestyle is that they act, that they do something very similar to what I did, which is go slowly and go go even more slowly than you think you need to go. Mm. Um, I was just talking about this with a colleague today and was saying how I do a lot of coaching with people who are getting into a non-monogamous lifestyle. And many times people think they're going slowly, but then all of a sudden they're in and it doesn't take long before they make what I call the rookie mistakes. And mm-hmm. then, you know, they can end up in a lot of emotional pain very quickly and then they call me. <laughs> uh, it's it's interesting. Um, hi, Robbie, and hi, Sony. Thanks for joining us today. Uh, it's it's interesting to think about um, the way that my emotions have kind of stabilized uh, in mm. relationships. So uh, the way that you talk about, you know, you're 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 more liable to get into uh, into some heartbreak. I feel like. When I was first introduced to polyamory, when I had my first experience, uh, you know, allowing myself to love and like kind of getting lost in that. Do you think that that ever goes away or is that kind of the drug of NRE that when we're feeling it, like we're feeling it and it doesn't matter if you have one year or one month or one day of experience or 10 years or 15 or 20 years. Mm-hmm. Does, does it does that control of NRE ever kind of go away? 
don't personally think so. That hasn't been my experience. I think that NRE is a thing and it exists because of hormones and mm-hmm. those hormones, you know, last for a period of time. So whether, you know, it's your first polyamorous relationship or your, you know, 500th, I think you can still get some pretty intense NRE. <laughs> there is a science behind it, right? That's uh, endorphins and serotonins and all these amazing feelings, feeling producers. <laughs> well, absolutely. And, you know, having said that, and that everything I said is true, it's also true that it's been discovered that those kind of, you know, in love hormones don't actually have to go away. And that's that's an important thing for couples to know about any kind of couples, right? It could be monogamous couples or non-monogamous couples, but that the key ingredient in that in love feeling is actually being present in the moment. That's when we have, that's when we feel most in love. And when we're in a new relationship and we have that new relationship energy, we're so present, right? Because every meeting with the person, every date, every, everything is so important to us. And so if you happen to be in a relationship and some of that spark has worn off, you know, getting present is something that can really help bring it back. All right, that's it, everybody. That's the show. Uh, we're done. We're, we're, we're capping it off right there. That was gold. That was gold. Okay, so so really it's it's a matter of getting present, and that's like, something that's going to kind of reignite that spark. Can you tell me more about that? Yeah, I think it's about slowing down with our partners. Second time you said that. Slowing down. Yeah, Uh that's right. I said it about getting into the lifestyle as well. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I can give an example from my own life with, so I just got married um, two months ago. Oh, congratulations. (laughs) Thank you. And there was a point where, my husband and I, before we were, you know, several years ago, we had a pretty big uh, crossroads that we had come to. And the question was, are we going to continue to be non-monogamous or not? Mm-hmm. And he wasn't in favor of it at the time. And so we had a period of, you know, it's not that we weren't still living together or we weren't still, you know, sleeping in the same bed and things like that. But we had a period of like some emotional distance. And when we started to resolve that, what we did was actually go to a therapist ourselves. Mm. And, um, you know, so there are, we were walking the talk. And um, when we started to come back together again and feel that connection, I specifically remember that what we did was we were just... Um, in each other's arms, we were just holding each other. We weren't being sexual at all, mm-hmm. but just to be present, so present with each other again and, and touching each other non-sexually um, felt so amazing. And we had already been together for years, but mm-hmm. that's a good example of how that feeling of being so in love with someone, it really can come back like that if we slow down. I love that. I love that so much. Uh, I've been, um, my mom's birthday was yesterday. Uh, oh. happy birthday, mom. Uh, and in my Facebook post, you know, cause I got to write the Facebook post. Otherwise it doesn't count. 
um, <laughs> I, I wrote in there that uh, that I was smacked in the face this year with uh, with mortality, and like I'm I'm thinking of you know just thinking more and more of how we only have a limited time left on this earth. You know, there's only so many more sunrises, there's only so many more uh, cups of coffee. You know, you never know when when it's the last one, and so so time is like this precious like the most precious currency and you talking about slowing down and being in the moment like to spend time with someone is to give a gift Mm. that can never be taken back and so to really slow down and to be in that moment sexual or Mm non-sexual like that's that's what that moment is absolutely yeah. And there are all kinds of ways to do that, right? Like oftentimes when when my husband and I are sitting in the kitchen in the mornings, we'll be sitting and having breakfast and we always have fresh flowers. And one of the things that we really enjoy, both of us, is looking at beautiful things. So, you know, we might be just sitting and looking out the window and then noticing how the sun hits the flowers and we can share that experience in the moment. Like that's the kind of thing, you know, and we all know how great it is to be in the moment during a sexual experience that that can really, really enhance the sexual experience. Or if we're not present, that can really make it kind of dull and ho Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. Uh, having sex and your mind isn't there. It's like a lot of times you can't even climax. True. Yep. Yeah, yep. kind of like not even worth it to me to have it <laughs> there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I, I totally get that. I totally get that. Um, so let's talk a little bit about this uh, self-love and sexy relationships. Uh, you have sexy up here. I mean, I, I, I put it up here. Um, yeah. And I found it on your website. It's yeah. an acronym. Can you tell right. me about what sexy is in this acronym? Yeah, so S-E-X sounds like sex, right? But it's actually stands for Synergistic Energy Exchange, which means an exchange of energy that's happening simultaneously between two or more people at the same time, right? So Mm -hmm. for example, this is an example that some people can probably relate to, I'm a daily meditator. And so I used to, years ago, when I um, had a more public office, I used to um, have a meditation group and people would come every Sunday morning and we'd all meditate together. And so the experience of meditating together with other people, if you've ever done it or noticed, is really enhanced. Like we can have really fabulous meditations when there's more than one person doing it with us. Yes. It's more powerful that way, and it's easier to meditate that way. Really? Yes. And the reason why is because we're actually, by sitting in the room and meditating together, we are sharing energy. We're all exchanging energy, whether we realize it or not, when we're there with each other. Interesting. Yeah. So the reason that synergistic energy exchange is so important in, in relationships is that um, it is for a couple reasons. You know, one is that um, we are always affecting each other, mm-hmm. right? So something to be really aware of. 
And particularly, this could be another thing that that some of the listeners could really relate to, and I'm sure you could too, James, is that I think personally, the best thing that about really good sex is like, you're there with the person or persons, and you're having your own experience and reactions to things, responses, and the other person is too. So, you know, you're there doing your thing, and then the other person like does a certain kind of moan or something, and then that in turn mm. might turn you on, and then right. you do your thing, and then they get turned on by that. And, you know, so you're just continually exchanging the energy. So um, that's where the whole that's where the whole concept comes from. I I love it. Okay, okay. So so now I understand the the concept. Uh, I'm guessing that this is something that you teach uh, within your uh, you know whether you're working with a couple or 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 you know threesome, foursome, moresome, etc. Polycule. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And. I mean, is self-love kind of tied into that? Is that separate mm-hmm. from that? That's right. So I, in my experience, self-love is actually the basis for all of these wonderful experiences that I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, if we love ourselves, it's like the foundation for having a great life. Yeah. Right. Um if I love myself, I wake up and treat myself well, mm-hmm. and I get in relationships that are going to serve me. Right. And because I'm loving myself, I also have more love for other people. You might have noticed that, you know, if you ever notice yourself becoming critical of somebody else, it's almost always because inside you're really critical of yourself about the same thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right. You know, sometimes you, you hear people say um, how they, you know, oh, they can't stand people and all people are such jerks. And when I hear people say that stuff, I go, wow, this person really is not loving themselves very much. It tells me a lot about how they feel about themselves. Yep. Um, sorry, I was getting a bunch of weird commentary. I had to, to block that out. Okay. Um Oh, you were saying something you were talking about, uh, the self-love and, and what I was thinking as you were, as you were talking about self-love and, you know, getting mm-hmm. up and taking care of ourselves and, you know, doing all these things is it's not always easy, right? Yeah. You yourself overcame depression and, you know, uh, my, uh, third party, third person experience with it. I was, I mean, it was, I was very close to me. It was, it was right there, you know, in my, yeah. in my home. Uh, yeah. and, and I could see how she couldn't pull herself out of bed and, and couldn't be bothered to do a lot of the things that she loved to do. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I mean, to, to say, okay, self-love, this is the basis of it. And this is what we got to do. I mean, that sounds kind of rah, rah. And, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. How, how, how do we get past the rah, rah and make it, you know, practical, pragmatic and useful? Yeah, that's a really good question. So in my experience, my personal and professional experience, self-love is more, you know, sometimes people talk about love as a verb, right? It's Mm -hmm. an active thing to love ourselves, to love another person, but also to love ourselves. So that um, what I have seen is that doing loving things for ourselves 
allows us to start loving ourselves more. That's for sure part of it, right? So totally. there's a self-love meditation that I often teach new clients that I'm working with or couples that I'm working with um, that I learned at the Hendricks Institute where I went to school um, for life coaching in California with Gay and Kathleen Hendricks. Um, and Gay came up with this uh, self-love meditation and I kind of adapted it and morphed it into, you know, my own thing as well. Um, and so by practicing that meditation, that can be done several times a day. It can be done, you know, once a day. Um, that is one of the ways that I came to love myself more, but also through doing good things for myself, you know, by getting up every morning and deciding, okay, I'm going to do some reading. I'm going to do my spiritual reading in the morning, and then I'm going to do my meditation. That's an act of self-love to do that every day, right? Just mm -hmm. like drinking plenty of water and exercising every day, or hopefully most days and <laughs> eating healthy food. <laughs> I'm saying that, especially because I didn't, I didn't do it today because it's pouring rain, but um, <laughs> it's okay. I haven't eaten today either. <laughs> I don't actually think I've eaten at all today. Muda, if you're listening, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> um, but I have been drinking plenty of water. Um, so it is, you know, th these are obviously things that we can do to take care of ourselves. It does get, you know, challenging. Uh, you know, I feel like there's there's so much that is individualized right there's no way that we could say well do this and you'll feel better and do that and you'll feel right. better um a lot of it really does come down to like just making that choice i guess mm -hmm. um but man I, I i'm telling you like i say that but i remember like telling my ex that and being like you, you it's, it's just a choice you just have to get up and you just have to do it and you know it was so um tough to to get her motivated i guess in in that time i guess i'll ask for myself like yeah. um if i'm a partner of someone who is suffering you know this depression and and can't quite find that self love self soothing you know they they they're really down on themselves for you know all these different reasons i'm just a partner yeah. As, as a partner, what can I do to support them? How, how can I support them well? Because I'll tell you, telling my ex, it's just a choice. You just have to make the choice. That was not helpful. Yeah, right. Because that would be helpful for somebody that's not depressed. Right. Potentially, right? But not necessarily someone who's, re I mean, if, if it sounds like your partner was actually clinically depressed and it, and it can be super hard to get out of bed when you're clinically depressed. Um, you know what? Actually, we have a, a listener who who said it very perfectly. How can a person will themselves to start the self -care, self love care tasks? Those first steps are always the hardest. Yeah, I totally recommend that people start small. So you know, instead of being like, "Oh, they just heard all these great things that I do for myself every day. Oh, I'm gonna start up doing all that stuff tomorrow because Maria said that's a good thing to do." That never works. You know, you have to start with one thing, you know, and maybe you say, okay, I'm going to meditate once this week. And mm -hmm. if you can do that, celebrate the fact that you did it. What if I'm not a meditating type of person? Try something else. Get outside the house. 
walk, be around nature, um, do something creative. You know, my um, partner just bought this like 180 count colored pencil set, you know, nice. <laughs> working with something like that can be self-loving is when do we give ourselves time to just like play, right? Right. That's another yeah. self-loving thing. But yeah, I recommend starting with one thing and then gradually building on that. And then once that becomes a habit, start on add another thing into your self-care routine. Um, having said that, sometimes it's really necessary if your partner is suffering to say, hey, I'm wondering if it might be helpful for you to go to a professional because I'm here to support you and I love you. And that doesn't seem to be helping you out of this hole that you're in. You know, some people need medication, some people need therapy, some people need both. Um, coaching, all of these things can help. But, you know, depression certainly um, can be a serious illness that has right. to be dealt with professionally. Got it. So as a partner, probably one of the best things I can do is is encourage my partner to get the help that they need. Uh, and man, I, I can't help but to think of, uh, there was somebody, there was a Instagram post that I was reading recently and, uh, they were talking about, you know, the barriers, barriers of entry, right? When we talk about, uh, you know, just go, just go get therapy and, you know, the, somebody will have all a question. They'll post a question on in a group yeah. and the group will always come back and say, just go get therapy, go get therapy, go get therapy. Yeah. And it's like out of reach for a lot of people. Especially these days, you know, I have to admit that there is a serious crisis in the mental health field that there are, there's more need than there are people to provide the services right now. Mm -hmm. You know, and part, part of that is still because of COVID, you know, people right. haven't been doing as well. Um, I did learn about, and this could be relevant for our listeners here today, that there is a service um and their website is unmute.com and it's specifically for people who have some kinds of differences so like i got a client through this service that's how i learned about it um and basically what they do is they will charge you 25 dollars, which i think is a pretty reasonable fee for finding three therapists for you that you can work with that are taking new clients and uh, people spend hours and days trying to find a therapist nowadays, you know? So if you sign up for that service and you have, you know, they, that's why it's called unmute because they mm -hmm. want, you know, people who necessarily haven't had a voice, right? Like maybe people in alternative relationships, people who are transgendered, people who are um, asexual, things like that. Um, they, that's who they cater to. Nice. I love that. That is, uh, super helpful. I hope that, that people can uh, definitely take advantage of that unmute.com and, uh, 25 bucks for finding those three therapists. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Very cool. And hopefully that'll be a resource for other people to, to be able to access, uh, those same therapists and, and, and get the help that they need. Um, I feel like we got to, though, there was one more thing that I wanted to ask you, actually, going all the way back, this knowing that you had 
yeah. uh, that you were polyamorous. I wanted to ask you a little bit on a touch on that just a little bit, okay. um, because you know what you had said was that your husband wasn't quite on board, but that this was, was something. My, this was my um, way back then when I had this knowing. This was my monogamous boyfriend that I had been in relationship with for like five years. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, uh, I, I apologize. So. When when you had that realization, that moment, and you were like, "No, this is this is who I am." Yeah. Was that like? Was that? I, I don't know. To me, that feels like 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 this this self love type of thing, like coming into yourself, coming into this uh, just mm -hmm. power of knowing. What did you tell yourself to like steal yourself up and be like, "I'm willing to end this relationship in order to be true to myself." Yeah, it really wasn't like that in my case. You know, what I actually did was I told my boyfriend, you know, hey, guess what? I just had this realization about myself. And I said, you know, how about we open up our relationship? He actually said, okay. <laughs> he didn't really mean it. It was one of those things where he just, I'm sure he just felt like he had to say yes to that. Otherwise I would leave him. And um, so we tried it briefly. And what I noticed was, he was super sad. And I was like, Aww. yeah, let, let, you know, this isn't really, he didn't have his heart in it, you know? And then we ended up breaking up for other reasons, but um, yeah, it was, um, I feel like it was kind of a spiritual experience for me that, you know, because I have over such a long period of time meditated. And one of the things that happens with meditation is people get really tuned in, right? Their intuition becomes really on through regular meditation and I think that's where that knowing came from because I was more in touch with I mean I don't I know not everybody believes in this but I was more in touch with my soul right my mm -hmm. inner being that said mm, there's something about you <laughs> that's, nice. that's different the uh, meditation and slowing down seem to have been uh the themes for today uh I I love it I don't meditate very often, but when I do, it's it's always a, a really great uh, experience. So uh, thank you, Maria, for, for taking some time with us here today. I uh, wanted to ask you if somebody uh, does want to work with you or does want to uh, check out your books or anything like that, can you tell mm -hmm. people how to get a hold of you, how to get in touch with you, and how to get access to uh, whatever it is that you're offering? Yes, absolutely. So probably the easiest way is just to go to my website, mariamerloni.com and on there you can sign up for a free connection call with me and that would be like a 45 minute call it could be on the phone it could be on zoom and we talk about what it is that you're trying to accomplish in your life and we discover whether we're a good fit to work together and um and also i do have my uh the book that i wrote about my experience of being an exotic dancer and and you know how that relates to my self-love journey is also for sale on the website nice perfect all right maria is there anything else that i missed anything else final thoughts that you might want to leave with the audience today yeah i do want to mention that probably the biggest thing that i have seen both with myself as well as clients is that when relationships aren't going well, the place to often look is, is there some unhealed trauma with this person? I was also having relationship difficulties, both in and out of non-monogamy. 
And turns out that my childhood trauma was preventing me from getting in the kinds of relationships I wanted to be in. So, you know, if you notice that you keep having patterns where things sort of go around in a circle or you keep seeming to get in a relationship with the same person over and over that happens has a different face, probably means there's some unhealed trauma to look at. And that's why I'm such a big believer in um, working, you know, doing the trauma treatment with people, which is called the gentle reprocessing, which is actually the treatment that I went through myself and became a practitioner of. So I do want to emphasize how important that is and how much, you know, it's really more on the radar of people these days, but for a very good reason. I feel like I failed you a little bit because you did want to talk about that. And it was at the top of my notes here and our conversation just got really good and sidetracked and went a different direction. Uh, but, um, thank you so much again for sharing. Thank you so mm. much for spending the time with me for, uh, all of the, the, this was a really good conversation for, you know, all the different directions that we went. And, uh, I yeah. really appreciate everything that you, that you left for our audience. I hope that, uh, everybody finds some value from it. Thank you so much. Thank you. And thank you as always to our live audience for tuning in. As a reminder, when we're live, you get no commercial interruptions, but the same can't be said for the podcast downloads. So if you want to avoid the commercial interruptions, be sure to catch us live Monday through Wednesday, 2.30 Pacific time, or sign up for Patreon, where you'll get access to our commercial-free RSS feed and support the show. Don't forget to subscribe on YouTube, wherever it is you download your podcast if you haven't already, and please leave us a review. We're really appreciated. That is all we've got for you all today. For the second to last time, until tomorrow, have a nice day! Thank you for tuning in to the Practicing Polyamory podcast. Would you or someone in your polycule like to be a guest? Sign up at practicingpolyamory.com and join the conversation. Please support us by subscribing, liking, and following us on social media at Practicing Polya by clicking any of the affiliate links on our website or by subscribing at patreon.com slash practicingpolya.